is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Live from the Tap House Grill in Montgomery. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, here's your host, Nick Brunker. Ah, uh, yes. Welcome in. It's another Monday Night Live here at the Tap House Grill in Kenwood. Glad you're with us alongside of the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. I'm Nick Brunker. Back to recap a short weekend, but a good weekend for the Cyclones on the ice as they picked up a win on first face-off 2012 against Wheeling. We have that to discuss. Garrett Wilson and David Pecan are with us as well later in the show. We'll talk to them, and uh, you can ask your questions of the coach or of the either of the two players that join us as we move through the hour. And on top of all that, we will also uh, look ahead to what is ahead this weekend against Toledo and back home on Saturday night. Uh, for a kids eat free night against the Trenton Titans. But first, uh, the breaking news of the day. It happened uh, just about 5 o'clock when the transaction report came out. We'll announce it coming up officially tomorrow. But as I mentioned at the top of the show last week, uh, this is a place where if you if you take the time to join us and show up, and we appreciate you doing that here at the Tap House Grill, you're oftentimes going to get some inside information before it really becomes public on our website. And tonight is no different as today the Cyclones add a new player, Francois Bouchard, and release one more. We'll talk about that first. Let's talk about Francois Bouchard. What kind of a player is he? Well, I think uh, getting an opportunity to get Francois Bouchard, obviously this type of season with the lockout, uh, you know, a guy who's played four years in the American Hockey League, his second year in the league, had 55 points with Hershey, won a Calder Cup championship there. Um, and just by the landscape of what's happened uh, this season, uh, can't get a job in the American Hockey League or was in San Antonio, but just because the numbers was uh, unavailable to get a con- or unable to get a contract. So, um, after talking to him, uh, he's excited to come to Cincinnati, a, a guy that's going to bring a lot of experience, a, a you know, winning caliber type player, and a guy that's uh, you know, has played at that highest level. So we're expecting a lot from uh, Francois. He's an offensive guy, a guy that can, can score some goals, and I think he can bring some uh, play in our top six uh, forward role. So we're, we're really excited to have him. And from, from Francois' stand, standpoint, you know, after talking to him for a few days about coming here, you know, he's excited about playing. He uh, he understands what's going on in the hockey world, and uh, he's really excited about coming to Cincinnati and uh, uh, playing for us this weekend. And this is uh, one of those signings, too, where you talk about your relationships around the league over the course of your long career as a player and then as a coach, obviously, coming in here for your third season with the Cyclones, not to mention your time in Bloomington as well. Uh, these type of, of signings, these type of, of player connections, uh, it's almost like six degrees of separation sometimes when you, you know a guy who knew a guy. Tell me about how this conversation even began. Well, I mean, first of all, I knew that he was going to San Antonio on a tryout and, uh, you know, trying to, you know, earn a job with the San Antonio Rampage, which, you know, at, at any time is difficult. I mean, every organization has their prospects, has, has guys under contract and, and have obligations sometimes for three years. And uh, it's very difficult for a guy in his situation sometimes to go in and, and earn a spot. So, you know, we monitor that pretty closely after talking to uh, – uh, you know, Mike Santos in Florida and, and, and Chuck and kind of seeing how he, he performed. And, of course, then there's the disappointment on the players end that, you know, he's unable to get a contract. So I, I talked to him a few times and, um, you know, his agent uh, out of Los Angeles that uh, represents him and uh, uh, just talked about the things that we offer here in Cincinnati and mm-hmm. the type of players we have and the type of team we're going to have. And after talking to Francois, decided that, uh, you know, Cincinnati was a spot that he wanted to come and, uh like I said, on the phone with him when he made his decision, he's really excited. Uh, unfortunately for him, he missed practice. Uh, yeah, or, or he had to go to Windsor yesterday because of immigration issues. So he landed off an airplane and drove mm-hmm. four hours to Windsor and re-entered the United States mm-hmm. and drove another four hours with David, who uh, had some sort of Social Security immigration issue. So the two uh-huh. of them spent uh, 
nine hours in the car yesterday going to uh, Windsor, Ontario, and then coming back. Isn't that how it's all? It seems like that's more of the, the common thread than it is the, uh, the rarity these days with some of the immigration issues. And uh, that's every team. Every team has to go through it. Uh, with that in mind, obviously you bring in a guy. And at this stage, we talked about it last week. If you haven't had a packet, if you haven't picked up a packet, we have game notes up here. Uh, weekly notes actually come up and grab one if you haven't already. You can kind of see what's going on roster-wise. But uh, with the way the, the landscape of the ECHL has worked, at some point, you run out of space, and uh, at an addition by, you know, an addition sometimes ends up being an addition by subtraction. Unfortunately, you add a guy. This time, you actually have to add and subtract because you were at your max, and this time, it's Alex Penner. Tell us about it. Yeah, I think Alex was a guy that, uh, you know, th it's a weird summer. It was a different summer with, uh, you know, whether it's going to be a lockout, not a lockout. You know, the end of the day, as a coach in the uh, – in, in the ECHL, Director of Hockey Operations, you have to uh, you go out and build a team. You know, you, you have to. You can't sit back and hope there's a lockout on September 15th and get 14 players sent your way because if the lockout gets settled and you've got six in the barn, you're not going to do too much. So um, I, I felt that a guy like Alex with, uh, you know, Fort Wayne coming in the league and Evansville and Toledo uh, in our division that, you know, we meet, we need that element, you yeah. know, if, 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 if there is no lockout, uh, and as there is, there is a lockout, and, you know, there's just no room for Alex. Uh, there's just no room for that element. There's no uh, – the pace of play, I think a lot of you guys that were there Saturday – or, yeah, Saturday mm -hmm. night, um, that, that's fast hockey. This is really, yeah. really – the pace has really picked up. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for Alex, it's, it's just not his game. It's the game's kind of uh, going a different direction, and especially this year with uh, – with that speed that uh, there's just no room. And uh, from my standpoint, I just uh, I just don't see no need at this point. Um, you know, sitting a guy that can, can bring speed and, and, and compete level and stuff to, to play at Alex. And, um, you know, we, we had discussion. Well, this isn't anything that we've not had discussions about. I've ta been talking to Alex for four or five days now and would have loved to have seen him get in the lineup. But unfortunately, the way... Uh, you know, the AHL, the ECHL is this year. There's just no room for, uh, for a guy like him. And yeah. he's going to be going to the CHL and, um, you know, we're, we're, you know, hopefully he can uh, do what he does best, but uh, this is not the year for, for that type of uh, player. In terms of the roster, if you have a packet, great. If not, you can follow along pretty simply. I know there are some questions this year for, for fans that may not have, have followed the offseason moves, especially with the lockout. Essentially what the league has done uh, is set up the same roster, uh, layout as last year in terms of active players. You can have 20 active players on your roster, but last year uh, you had basically three different spots uh, that were known as reserve spots. A three-day injury reserve spot, a seven-day injury reserve spot, and a 21. You could have one guy on the three and the seven-day IR at any one time. You could have unlimited number of players on the 21. What they have done this offseason is take the three and the seven and basically combine them together. At first, there were two what they call now reserve spots, and then still your unlimited number of 21s. But now during the lockout, at least for the next few weeks, and perhaps if they renew this, it'll be even further along into the, uh, the month of November and December, there is now a third reserve spot. Uh, do you know, based on your conversations with the league and people up top, is that something that you expect to stay as long as the NHL lockout stays? Uh, once the lockout's over, that third reserve spot will be eliminated. But apparently, the first go-round, it expires on November the 11th. Would you expect it, on your conversation, to roll back over again? Yeah, it'll continue. The yeah. locker won't be ended by November 11th. Right. So that, that uh, third reserve spot will continue on until the lockout ends. And uh, uh, the only interesting thing about that, that spot, it's great to have because it basically keeps more guys here. But unfortunately, 
Uh, and again, uh, from a governor's standpoint and ownership standpoint, I'm not sure of the discussions, but you know, I, I felt strongly they should have expanded the uh, the playing roster. Yep. You know, so now, you know, I can dress 18, but I have to healthy scratch five. You know, from an ownership standpoint, we're paying five guys not to play that night. Um, you know, at least expand it by 19. Hopefully, it would have been nice 20. Have four lines, six defensemen, two goalies. I think would be a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then you know, you healthy scratch three, but. You know, the way it is, every game we're, we're telling five guys they're not in the lineup and our owner ownership's paying for them not to play for us that night. Right. So it's, um, you know, it's a little bizarre, but uh, I think at the end of the day, I'm glad they, they expanded by one. That way we're able to, you know, keep some guys around or at least one extra player around for, uh, for a while here. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do. And the other thing that I, I think comes into the, what, what you and McDonald do every day is, is kind of you not only juggle your active, but also you have to figure out where these guys are going to live on top of everything else. Every team basically, for the most part, either funds or provides housing for these players. And as the Cyclones do as well, it becomes a space issue on top yeah. of not only on the roster, but in the apartments as well. Well, yeah, and I mean, just revert back to Alex Penner and, and – and you know, this does play into it. Obviously, he's 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 married and takes up a two-bedroom apartment. So, um, you know, we we need every every bed in Cincinnati we have <laughs> over there. So, um, yeah, it, it 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 it's difficult. That's one of the toughest things too. Also, is making sure the guys uh, there's enough room for everybody too. So, yeah, um, you know, we're managing that. And again, uh, um, you know, there'll be some more movement this week and up down and all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think the 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 good thing about what's happening you try to focus on the positive the positive thing is that we've got some tremendous talent here we've got some guys that want to work the guys that want to compete and um and it's an absolute pleasure as a coach to watch and practice all these guys working hard and mm -hmm. I, I think the game saturday night was absolutely terrific from a speed level compete level and, and talent level that that yeah. both teams had i mean wheeling's in the same boat with pittsburgh penguin and montreal canadian players so um you know i think we expect to see that yeah. uh, as the season goes along you know, the tough side of it always is, is that, um, you know, there's guys that are not in the lineup that not necessarily don't deserve to be out of the lineup. You know, I'm not saying that these guys, it's clear cut that they shouldn't be in the lineup. And, you know, we have decisions to make Friday and Saturday and, uh, you know, we'll make those decisions. But I think the most important thing is focus on the uh, the 18 that are going to help us win a hockey game each night. You mentioned the Wheeling game. We'll talk about that now. And I know from, from where you were sitting on the bench or standing, as the case would be, and from where I was in the press box, Great crowd on hand. It was a loud building. It was an electric atmosphere. That was a pretty fun night of hockey. And like you mentioned, the speed, uh, it, it is very much noticeable. I can't tell you how many people I've run into over the last few days that have said, man, did, I, I went to the Cyclones game. Some for the first time. Most in this room have been there before. But th that basically said that was as fast of a hockey game as I've seen live in a long, long time. And as bad as the lockout is for the National Hockey League and for the game of, of hockey in general, it really gives fans across minor league hockey towns like Cincinnati a chance to see perhaps some of the best hockey there is. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're seeing players are going to play in the National Hockey League one day, whether it's next year or two years or maybe three down, three years down the line. But, you know, you're seeing uh, future NHL hockey players. And uh, um, I, I think this is good for a lot of guys. I think getting the ice time they're going to get here as opposed to whether it's Milwaukee or San Antonio playing on a third, fourth line. I think it's a great opportunity yeah. this year for guys to come to the coast and, and, and get that ice time and get that experience and, and lead in different areas and play in different situations. So it's a great development uh, for players this year. It's tough to sell on the players, obviously. Guys want to be in the American Hockey League. Guys sure. want to be in the National Hockey League. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, the experiences they're going to gain down here is going to be really good for their development and their future. Let's talk about the game in, in more of a specific mindset. You, you look at 
the Garrett Wilson goal, one of the prettier goals you're probably ever going to see, especially considering how it began. A nice play out of the penalty box and your defenseman. One of the things, if you watched Making the Cut, the documentary, and, and many times throughout the course of the week, you talked and stressed about how you want defensemen joining the rush, joining the play, and, and that was one of the situations where the defense saw what he saw, obviously a lane, and he got him. Yeah, no, I think it was, uh, it was a textbook play. It's something that we've... Uh, We've talked about prior to the, the, the players getting sent down, uh, the, the camp we had prior to that, and even going into the you know camp last week or practice, have you. And I don't think you can drop a better play than Willie. Uh, you know, Maury Edwards uh, hitting Willie up the middle, uh, you know, moving it out wide to uh, uh, pack and then giving it back to Willie for a great play backhand uh, shelf short side. I think that was, uh, you can't draw it up any better than that, and yep. it's an absolutely beautiful play, and uh, we will see it on the highlight. The, video tomorrow boys so <laughs> boys will get a kick out of that but no it was a beautiful play and a great start and uh second year in a row that uh, Garrett Wilson has uh scored the first goal of the year for the Cyclones so it was uh it was exciting and it was the first time since 2006-07 that the Cyclones opened at home ironically it was another time that the Cyclones won their home opener for the season so it was a good night of hockey all around a certainly uh, exciting night of hockey all around as it ended in a shootout uh, I we can also talk about your specialty teams because those were, were points of strength, at least in my opinion. How did you feel about that? We'll start with the power play. Although you had a lot of chances, you still clicked twice, which is what you would hope for, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, Willie's wasn't drawn up the way we wanted it to be, but it was still a beautiful goal, a power play goal. But, uh, um, no, you know what? I thought there was a lot of movement. I think the uh, Dan Eves goal was uh, just a great play by Mike Pellick and, and a lot of movement. I still think there's some room to improve. I think... Uh, you know, obviously disappointing on a uh, in overtime a four on three. You really expect to connect on a situation like yeah. that. I think, uh, you know, when you've got a team takes a penalty in overtime, you've really got to make them pay for it. And unfortunately, you know, we didn't do that. But um, you know, again, we we'll, we'll work on some things. We're still trying to figure out some power play units. Obviously, I think you saw a lot of different players on the power play uh, on Saturday night. I think uh, both players here got a. A little bit of an opportunity, but we're still trying to figure out what uh, what our units are. I mean, I I think it's safe to assume uh, Pelly, Abby, and Evesy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they played together and, and and they've scored a lot of big goals for us. But uh, you know, beyond that, we want to find people that uh, put people in, in in situations of strength and see who's uh, who's going to gel and who's going to score some goals for us in those situations. So, and we're still going through all that. Hey, you mentioned the Pelly, Abby, Evesy line. It seems like they picked up where they left off. I talked to all three of them. Uh, over the course of training camp, and they all said it almost it almost felt like just they started literally the season ended March 31st. It's almost as if today or, you know, that day, that night was, was April 1st. It was like they had not even left each other. Uh, they were right where they were supposed to be. You mentioned the diagram power play there. It was a great setup, but it, it takes a lot to have that chemistry, especially after six months away from each other. Yeah, I mean, I think they complement each other so well. I mean, uh, you know, Mike Pellick uh, sees the ice so well. I mean, I think no matter who he plays with, he's going to find people. And I think Abby, who likes to shoot the puck and go to those areas. And I think Dan Eves is such a big piece to that line because he does all the details. He does all the little things right. He's a, a lot of times the first guy in on the forecheck. You know, he sets the tone for that line. And I just think his details 
um, the little things that he does for that line really makes them successful. Boy, and back there on defense, it almost kind of felt like, at least on the power play at times, going back in time, you see Brian O'Hanley at the center point and then Aubby to his left setting up the power play and looking to you know anchor that on the left side. Uh, it's great to see some of these guys. I know for Cyclones fans, it, it really does bring back some great memories of, of a guy who, quite honestly, is uh, on a game-by-game -game basis an American Hockey League defenseman. Yeah, it was quite a surprise. I mean, I talked to Brian all summer long about what his plans were, and of course he was, you know, waiting for an offer from Worcester or somewhere in the American Hockey League. And, you know, as, as the summer went along and the lockout was getting closer and, you know, OH was still sitting at home with, uh, with nothing. So, you know, he decided to go to San Antonio and, um, you know, our gain, we get him here. Uh, you know, I believe Brian O'Hanley's an American League defenseman. I think he proved that last year. And, uh, you know, again, unfortunately, with what's gone on, he's 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 here. But yeah. uh, one thing about OH, uh, uh, you know, he he's going to do everything he can to help us win. I mean, he's uh, he's a great teammate. He's he's a he's a great player at this level, and I believe an American League player. And you know, he'll get back there. It's just a matter of. Uh, riding this lockout out, and he's going to do all he can to help us win while he's here. One of the other players that spent uh, the entire season last year at the American League level was Nathan Moon. Uh, kind of fun to watch him play after hearing so much about him an offseason ago, building and expecting to get him on the ice, and then to have him play in uh, Worcester all season. It was nice to see him. What were your thoughts on Nathan Moon? Well, I've been waiting a year to see this guy play. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I signed him uh, two summers ago. Wait, yeah. you know, and I was expecting him to be a big part of our team, and and all that. Of course, he went to San Jose Sharks prospect camp, and then they invited him to main camp. He went to Worcester, still anticipating we'll see him at some point. And uh, again, never, uh, never saw him. Never saw him all last year. So, again, uh, this summer I qualified him just in in this situation that in case the lockout does push some guys down, I want to make yeah. sure I owned his rights. And uh, but never really put much thought into it, you know, with what's going on. And I got a call out of the blue uh, uh, the other day um, from Columbus Blue Jackets telling me that Nathan Moon's on his way to you. And I hadn't thought of Nathan Moon since like May, like since I qualified <laughs> him. Like I really didn't anticipate it. And uh, so I was pretty excited. And the kid, uh, they asked him, would you rather go to Evansville or Cincinnati? It's your call because uh, uh, Cincinnati owns your rights. If you want to go there, go ahead. If not, uh, we could ask uh, Cincinnati to trade you to Evansville. And he was adamant that he wanted to come to Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're happy to have him. He's a character guy. He's a gritty kid. Uh, he had a great year last year, you know, 32 points, 150 penalty minutes in the American Hockey League. So, uh, and at 5'11", I mean, that's saying something. You got to be, you got to be scrappy at that size. If you're going to play with guys that are 6'2", 6'3", you got to, you know, hold your own. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a pain in the butt to play against. He's a scrappy kid. So, um, you know, he's got that big round face, and uh, you know, I'm sure uh, <laughs> guys will be pretty frustrated with him this year. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Nathan. Obviously, it was a uh, first uh, first game the other night, and um, you know, as we continue to go along here, I'm sure he's going to get grittier and grittier as we go. What does that mean to you as a coach? I mean, you have a guy who who really never played for you in a sense. You sign him. Obviously, you have some communication with him over the last couple of years, but to have that chance to to make a decision and choose between two teams that are you know relatively close to each other geographically, it's not like you're going out west or going down south. What does that say? What does that mean to you as a coach that he he opted to choose Cincinnati? over Evansville? Well, first of all, I, said, I think it says a lot about this organization and the success this organization's had. I think it's, um, you know, I think any player that, that looks at uh, the way Cincinnati's run things since uh, coming back uh, uh, into existence, I think knows that Cincinnati does everything right. And, um, you know, from my standpoint, I had great conversations with him two years ago about coming to Cincinnati and what I can provide for him and, um, you know, the ways I feel I could help him. And, uh, 
uh, again, that was uh, that was two years ago, and um, you know to still have them that excited about coming here, I think was a great thing. And uh, uh, when I got that call, it was surprising, but I was also very excited to uh, bring Nathan in. Uh, Brian Foster played, segueing away from from Nathan Moon and into the goaltending from uh, from Saturday. Uh, you, you talk about a, a goaltending matchup, a goaltending battle. It, it really was that. Obviously, Colleen made some spectacular saves, not only in overtime but throughout the game to keep uh, his team within striking distance and ultimately uh, earning a point for his club. Uh, Brian Foster on the other side. I, I mean, I've had conversations with guys in, both on and off the ice about how you know you move forward. We mentioned him last week about you know in his third year you want him to progress. He was terrific in his first season, pretty solid in his second season. Now in his third season, although one game in, how do you feel about him? How was his performance in your estimation? I thought Brian Foster was great on Saturday night. I mean, that's the Brian Foster I think we, we, we know he can be and, and who he is. You know, I, I thought, um, you know, I think the, the bar was pretty raised high at the, two years ago. The way he came in and performed was just absolutely spectacular. And he had a good year last year. You know, he had... You know, he had some rough nights like any goalie would have, but I thought he did uh, a fairly good job. But, um, you know, as soon as Brian got here in practice the first four days, you could tell that he was clearly going to start the game on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. There was no question and uh, nothing against uh, Zoltan, uh, <laughs> who's coming over for his first year. But, you know, Brian's maturity level and just the, his confidence and everything was clearly the guy that we needed to go with on Saturday night. And, uh you know, as this week progresses, uh, you know, we've got Friday, Saturday, Friday on the road, Saturday at home. You know, we'll see how it goes. I think uh, the, the focus has to be on, you know, putting the 18 guys and the, the goalie that we think is going to help us win hockey games. Mm -hmm. I think getting to a quick start this year for everybody because we don't know when all this is going to end or if right. it does end or whatever. And I think the most important thing is, you know, getting points early uh, in, in any year. This isn't just this year in particular, but I think uh, – I think we really got to focus on the 18 guys who are going to help us win a hockey game. We have plenty more to get to with you. We'll let you take a break and uh, grab some food and drinks here at the Tap House Grill. Coming up next, we'll visit with one of the Cyclones' top five scorers from last year. It's Garrett Wilson. He joins us coming up next on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to CyclonesHockey.com. Welcome back to the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show with Cyclones head coach Jared Scaldi and our next guest who was a member of the Cyclones last year in his rookie season. He joins us now. It is number 10 for the Cyclones. Give it up for Garrett Wilson. Welcome in. Thank you for being a part of the show and taking your time out of your Monday night off to, uh, to visit with us. And I guess that the first question is an obvious one. Was that the prettiest goal you've ever scored in your career? I think it was. Uh, usually I'm known for getting the greasy garbage goals, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll take that one uh, that I had on Saturday. Uh, it was a nice play from uh, Pac-Man there, uh, give and go there after I came out of the box from a dumb penalty, so it was good to get that one out of the way. <laughs> well, at least you, you knew which kind of a penalty it was. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. You're offseason. What kind of stuff, uh, knowing that that this was going to be, you know, obviously like any year, a, a tough year trying to, you know, earn your spot, play and move up the level as you had a chance to go up a bit last year. Tell us about what your offseason was like in preparation for 2012-13. Yeah, it was a different offseason this year. Um, I was uh, home till the end of September. Usually I'm gone to NHL camp by uh, early September. So I, uh, I skated in Owen Sound, my old junior team there for uh, about the whole month of September. And uh so it was good to get some good skates there. There's a few other guys that are playing pro that would come skate with us, so that was good. But, uh, yeah, it was a pretty long summer, and uh, I did pretty much similar stuff I do every other year, work on my skating and uh, quick feet, stuff like that, and uh, 
try to get stronger. So uh, it was a pretty good summer. It was a long one, and uh, I'm glad the season started now. A fourth-round selection of the Panthers back in 2009. Garrett Wilson joining us on the Coors Light. Jarrett Scaldi show here at the Tap House Grill. Uh, this is your second year, obviously. Uh, what If you look back on uh, what was a solid year for you, top five for the Cyclones in points, uh, finished uh, with uh, a grand total of 34 in 64 games, what's the biggest thing that you learned in your rookie season? Uh, just uh, the pro lifestyle, kind of uh, junior, you're, you're worrying about school and stuff like that. And uh, here you, you practice in the morning, you have the rest of the day to do whatever you want or whatever. And uh, it's, a, it's a little different, but uh, I learned a lot. Uh, a good experience getting up, sent up and down in the AHL. And uh, here last year, it's uh, it's pretty similar leagues. Um, it, I thought it was hard harder last year than I expected to uh uh, play like a scoring role here and then get called up and uh, you kind of get thrown into your groove because you're playing more of a fourth line role there mm -hmm. and then getting sent down. It, yeah. it was a lot tougher than I expected, but now that I, I know what it's like and hopefully uh, better experience than I was last year, so uh, hopefully I can uh, adjust better this year. We talked with uh, Coach Scaldi in the last segment about the pace of play and how it was noticeably faster, the guys noticeably bigger. Uh, as a player, I would imagine – you notice it, but at the same time, you're kind of just doing your thing, going with it. It's the same systems. You're working on the same types of things. Yeah, the, it picks up pace, but fr from a person who's watching it, is it easier to see than somebody who's actually on the ice playing it, or do you feel it as well? Uh, yeah, you, you definitely feel it. Um, it's kind of like the trickle-down effect uh, that because of the lockout, uh, the league's a lot stronger, I think, than last year. There's uh, um, some really good players that could definitely be playing in the AHL this year in the coast, so... It's definitely a lot faster. Uh, Saturday's game, it was it was quick pace and uh, hard hitting and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I feel like the the league is generally stronger this year. It, it was a great night for hockey on Saturday. A lot of people in the building packed the place in. And obviously, watching uh, you know you play from in the pre in the press box, it's always exciting to have that energy in the building from where I sit, from where you sit. I know talking to you guys after the game, you could feel it too, couldn't you? Yeah, it was a great crowd. Uh, I don't know what the attendance was, but it, it felt like it was loud and uh, and pretty packed. So, yeah, it definitely helps us out a lot when you have the fans behind you and uh, and are loud. It really throws off the other team a bit and makes it uncomfortable for them. So um, hopefully we have a few more nights like that uh, during the year at home here. When you talk about this lockout and you, you mentioned just the, the – the sense of drive that you have to have on a daily basis, regardless if there was a lockout or not. But now knowing that, that you're going to try and take a spot from somebody who's in the American League, you're always doing that. But now I think everything is magnified because of all the other talented players that were from the NHL trickled down to the American League. Does that increase your drive to, to succeed and the drive to be better, knowing that to get there you're going to be playing with some NHL players? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the AHL is the top league in North America now, so it's pretty much like the uh, the NHL because uh, because of the lockout. So definitely, uh, my goal is to hopefully get there this year and, and stick there. And uh, yeah, there's some pretty good players. You saw some of the young young NHL stars that are down in the AHL this year, and uh, it'd be cool to play against them. And uh, so yeah, the same as here. It's stronger here and it's stronger there. So it's definitely uh, I'm really focused and want to want to get there this year. Obviously, last year at home, the record was just unbelievable, 26 wins out of the 36 games. And, uh, you know, you come into a, a situation now where you start the season at home, with the exception of going to Elmira next weekend, you have a, a handful of home games still ready to roll. And, then, and as Jared just mentioned in the last segment, getting off to a quick start is important. Is it nice playing at home this early? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, get your home home fans uh, behind you right away. It definitely helps. Uh, we're... 
we were great at home last year and uh, we struggled on the road so it'll be nice to start start the season here at home where we're comfortable and uh, hopefully get a few wins under our belt get some chemistry with uh, your other line mates and that and hopefully we can carry that onto the road and uh, hopefully we can have a better road record this year with the dual affiliates here in Cincinnati there are going to be several other teams that are also dual affiliated uh, you know, you watched a team in Wheeling on, on Saturday and played against them that was in the same situation. They had guys from Montreal and from uh, Pittsburgh down a as well. It, do you think that, I mean, the layman would say every team that has a dual affiliation is going to be better from a, just a talent standpoint than everybody else that may have just one affiliate or no affiliates. Do you think that is the case, or is it the case where it just matters team by team where some guys are going to have the top talent some guys aren't it doesn't matter if you're dual affiliated or not yeah there's going to be there's definitely every team's going to have a lot of talented players um it's just the the way the team can come together um you can have as many stars as you want but if the team doesn't uh, click then you're not going to have a good squad or whatever so uh yeah definitely you got to find your chemistry in that uh, every team's going to be strong every team has players that could play in the ahl on the roster so it's just a matter of uh, who works harder and who can find a way to get the get the wins. You've been basically a consistent player in terms of where you've been. You haven't done a lot of moving around in your career, obviously, just right away in the pro game. You played in San Antonio for a bit. You played here. But in your OHL career, you had three seasons in Owen Sound. So, uh, I mean, you're looking at a, a career where you didn't do a lot of jumping around. And now coming into your second season in Cincinnati, it, does it feel a little bit easier kind of just getting back into the swing of things because you know the roads, you know the city, you know kind of the routines down here? Because I imagine, you know, anytime you go to a new city, whether you're traveling as a tourist or you're living as a hockey player, it takes a little bit to get used to where you are. That doesn't have to be the case this year for you, does it? Yeah, definitely. I'm more comfortable. I have my uh, vehicle down here now, and uh, yeah, I didn't know the roads and that, and uh, uh, some good spots to eat, stuff like that. So that definitely helps. Um, yeah, I played in Owen Sound for three years there, and uh, every year I felt more comfortable there, and it, it, it like translates to the ice too. You feel more comfortable and uh, relaxed in that, and you, you end up playing better hockey in that. So hopefully uh, that carries over here this year too, and uh, and uh, hopefully I can have a good year. Well, I think you're already off to a pretty good start with a pretty goal. Probably going to be hard to top it, but I, I imagine you're going to at least try to, to get a prettier one than that. It's going to be tough, but we wish you the best of luck. Thanks. Thanks. A lot. Thanks. That's Garrett Wilson, everybody. Uh, give him a round of applause as uh, he spent some time with us. Coming up next, we'll visit with David Pecan, a newcomer to the Cyclones. He'll visit next on the Cyclones Radio Network. CyclonesHockey.com. Back for another segment on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show here at the Tap House Grill in Kenwood. Glad you're with us from 7 to 8. We'll do it all over again next Monday night. We hope that you join us for that as well. Coming up on Friday and Saturday, Cyclones are going to have a pair of games. One on the road against the Toledo Walleye Friday night at the Huntington Center. And then on Saturday, Clones return home for a Saturday night affair against the Trenton Titans. Kids eat free night. Tickets available 513-421-PUCK. Before we move any further, I want to welcome in our next guest who's playing in his first professional season after playing his best amateur season a year ago where he had 64 points with the Niagara Ice Dogs of the OHL. Please welcome new Cyclone forward David Pecan. Hi, David. Hi. Thanks for being here. Tell Great. me about your first game as a professional. How was that moment for you walking out of that tunnel in front of a great crowd here on uh, or, uh, last weekend on Saturday at U.S. Bank Arena to uh, get your professional career officially underway? It was amazing. You know, uh, when you're younger, you always dream of uh, playing pro hockey somewhere. And uh, to get the chance here in Cincinnati, uh, it was just an awesome feeling. And, you know, the crowd was in it. And uh, all the guys were pumped up for the game. And I was just, you know, my uh, 
nerves took me through the whole game. At some times, I would imagine, as a, as a player coming in, uh, maybe if you're sent down, you meet guys that, that make their first game in the ECHL, and they play uh, alongside a couple of their teammates from the next level. You know, i.e., let's say you and Garrett last year, you would have been a handful of guys that would be on the Cyclones roster from the next level up. This year, it seems like almost half, if not more, of the team, now more, more than half of late, is a teammate of yours from the next level up in the American League, which you've been playing with over the last couple of weeks with the American Hockey League camp. I imagine that helps your transition because not only have you lived and hung out with these guys for the last few weeks, but you play with them on the ice as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like Garrett, uh, I knew him also. I played against him in the OHL too, and uh, we're good buddies. And uh, him being at camp in San Antonio, you know, kind of showing me the ropes. Uh, when you're under his belt, uh, you can call him a pro already. And, uh, you know, it's uh, just been an easy transition. And, uh, you know, every even guys that weren't from San Antonio that came from other camps, you know, they were uh, very welcoming. And, uh, like I said, it was a very easy transition. Uh, one of the interesting things that, that I didn't know going in and then when uh, looking it up on the web, I found out you were drafted not only in the, the, the same year but the same round uh, and very close. I think it was 20-some picks away from Mike Pellick <laughs> by the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So uh, did you ever have a chance to, to meet Mike before coming to the Cyclones? No, actually, I never uh, – well, I don't want to be rude, but I never heard of him before <laughs> until uh, actually last year, like uh, – he just told me that he had a younger brother that plays for Erie, and I thought to myself, I was like, oh, my God, I did play against him, and, uh, you know, everything clicked like that. But uh, actually, the other day, I just learned uh, his first name was Mike, too, and I've been living with him for, like, four <laughs> days. <laughs> That's one of those things, I guess, you just have to get to know guys. For yeah, exactly. Very rarely do you hear hockey players actually refer to their teammates by their first name. Yeah. I don't think – I've never heard that the last time. Taylor Aronson was sitting across from me this morning after practice getting some insurance stuff uh, uh, squared away, and he was like, this is Taylor, and I'm thinking – who the heck is Taylor? I'm like, oh, it's Aronson, Arnie. Okay, I got it. Uh, this is an interesting year for any professional who's starting out their career, considering what the lockout means for all the younger players. Does that give you any extra motivation to, to impress? And so I asked the same question to Garrett that I'll ask to you. Uh, coming into your pro career, you always want to impress, but now maybe even more so to get in a chance to play with some of the best in the world if you do make it up to the next level. Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go as far as saying trying to impress, but always trying to improve, you know, everyone's, uh, that's what they're, you know, they always want to get better, they always want to make it to the NHL, and, uh, but yeah, you, you do get motivated like that, because you always want to, you know, you always want to one day dream that you're going to make it to the NHL, and uh, mm -hmm. as long as you keep a level head and just know that uh, you can do it with uh, how hard you work, and uh, just make sure that you're uh, always committed to uh, your ultimate goal. When's the first time in your amateur career that you r really believed and, and thought, like, this, I'm going to play pro and I'm going to be here and do it for real? I, I mean, obviously, you play and you work and you play with guys. I'm sure that many of them have gone on and succeeded and then others who, who may have just made juniors their, their final destination in terms of their playing career. When was the point where you're like, I got what it takes to play at the next level? Um... <laughs> It's a tough question. Uh, we try. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, one hard question. You know, I knew uh, a couple of years ago. You know, there's always chit chat. You're on. The, you got draft, or you're gonna be on the draft list. You got drafted and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But you always have to try and keep a level head. You never wanna, you know, get too high or too low. And uh, you know, it was just I was fortunate that I had a great two years in Niagara with uh, you know great organization, great team, and uh, I uh, thought I did really well. And uh, here I am.
And then in 09 when you were drafted, is that one of those moments you'll always remember, like where you know where you were, you know what you were wearing, or is that that type of moment for you, or does it kind of just blend in with all the rest of your your professional or your amateur uh, success, uh, succeeding uh, numbers and all that good stuff? Yeah, it was amazing actually. Uh, I couldn't uh, I couldn't sit in front of the computer because uh, I didn't know for sure if I was going to get drafted or not. So me and my brother went to go play mini putt and uh, tried to get my mind off that, but. Uh, <laughs> It didn't help out too much, <laughs> and I didn't even win the mini putt, so it was just... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a win, though, for you. You, yeah, got, exactly. you got drafted at the end of the day. Uh, tell me a little bit about you off the ice. I know fans like to see you, you know, watch what you do on the ice and get to know you on the ice, but what kind of a, a person is David Pecan off the ice? Uh, he's a bit of a goof. If uh, you got to know me, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I like to say, like, I'm always a positive guy. I like to, you know, a little bit of a comedian here and there, but, uh, you know, I just enjoy life and uh, I'm always like you'll see you'll rarely ever see me in a bad mood I'm always in a good mood and uh, I just that's just how just, I am just a happy guy yeah just a happy guy with, with all of the video gaming that goes on I, I can't even believe how how serious Matua Ban is about his gaming I don't know if you've had a chance to experience that in person but it is a treat uh, do you get into that sort of thing in your spare time what kind of stuff do you do do you game at all yeah, I do actually. Uh, I was actually playing with uh, Pelly the other day, and uh, he's bragging to me how he's like 83rd in the world or whatever. And then the first game, I beat him. So I asked yeah. him, "Does that make me 83rd?" <laughs> that makes you 82nd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, you got a lot of spare time, and uh, you get the occasional challenge here and there. So uh, I don't mind it. Well, thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Best of luck. Congratulations on your first pro assist over the weekend, and we watch and uh, we'll be looking forward to many more as we move through the year. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you. That's David Pecan, everybody. We'll come back with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, for one last segment next on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Back again for one final segment, the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show here on the Cyclones Radio Network. It is at Tap House Grill. We'll back again next Monday night, 7 to 8. Hope you're with us for that as well. As we look ahead to another busy week, the Cyclones will hit the road for a weekend series in Elmira the following week. So we'll look ahead to that. But now we have a chance to fast forward and look to Friday and Saturday where the Cyclones will get a chance to face off against the North Division team for the first time. Is the Toledo Walleye going to play host uh, to the Cyclones Friday, 7.05? It's a place that Coach habitually has been a, a very tough place to play. Uh, they always tend to be good battles between you and the walleye. And I think in Toledo, to, to send a message in, the, in your first meeting of the season is important, isn't it? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it's always a good game up in Toledo. It's the last couple of years, always been some crazy games or whether we've had a lead and, and they've come back or vice versa. And even at home here, we've had some some crazy games so uh, we're excited to get up there I think for our, our young guys guys that have never um, seen Toledo it's a great building to play in it's a great environment and uh, a Friday night up there should be uh, you know something to see for them and uh, our guys will be ready to go all right with that in mind Saturday there's a game as well it's a two-game weekend your goaltending you talked about it and Brian Foster obviously over the weekend played well you mentioned his numbers and his statistics what do you do goaltending wise this weekend or is that yet to be played out um, you know, we have an idea for Friday night. Obviously, Brian played so well on uh, Saturday. I think it's, uh, you know, without 100% uh, committing, I would imagine that Brian's going to go in on Friday. It's just, uh, you know, keep him going. And then beyond that, we'll just have to see what happens. Like I said earlier, I think, um, you know, we're, we're affiliated. We have two affiliates, and, and you want to get everybody uh, proper ice time. But I, I don't think this is the time... Uh, uh, 
time to just uh, you know be fair because it's not fair, and I think mm -hmm. um, it's about getting the 18 guys and the best goalie that we feel is going to help us win hockey games right now. The following night, Saturday night, the 20th, the Cyclones return home to U.S. Bank Arena for a Kids Eat Free night thanks to John Moreau and to 7-Up. So uh, kids 2-12 to 12 get a free meal out of, the, out of the night as well. So we hope to see you there. And the Trenton Titans, the surprise Trenton Titans, although just one weekend through, 2-0 and o to start the year. And they made uh, mincemeat out of the Reading Royals over the weekend, at least a 6-2 uh, final on Saturday to speak about. But uh, this is a team like any team in the ECHL. Every year is mutually exclusive from the other because of all the different talent especially this year in the lockout what do you know about the Titans so far well I know they've got two kids that are extremely talented guys that uh, you know uh, clearly are American Hockey League players and uh, you know it's something that we're going to watch some video on this week and leading up to uh, Saturday night but uh, from what I understand there's two uh, two players there that really are the engines of that team that can really make a difference and uh, you know we'll see what we have to do with that but again our focus is Friday night getting ready for that game and uh, throughout the week we'll prepare for Saturday also. Not to backtrack but Friday in Toledo a, a game and, and a building that tends to um, elicit a bunch of physical stuff sometimes more than uh, you would like to see as a coach and results in some penalties I guess the, the question is two parts do you feel like your team was well disciplined on Saturday enough to, to, to your liking and then secondly do you think that it's going to take even more willpower to stay at that level against a team in Toledo that is known for fighting? And I know that Nick Fatusi tends to put uh, a lot of bruisers up on his roster every single year. Yeah, I, I think from a discipline standpoint, I had no problem with the, some of the penalties we took. I mean, obviously it happens. I felt that obviously we had the uh, advantage in the power plays uh, throughout most of the game, which, in of course, in the ECHL always happens to even self out by the end of the game. But... Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's an emotional game in Toledo, regardless if you're aware of the situation, if you are if you know the, the rivalry, it always just becomes an emotional game. So, uh, you know, again, we have to be disciplined, and, um, you know, we, we know it's going to be a, a fun, exciting game, and we just have to control our emotions. What kind of things are you going to tweak, if anything, about uh, the weekend's game planning from what you saw on Saturday because the result was good. You got the win. It was a close battle, as you expected, mm -hmm. against two double-affiliated teams. Same situation on Friday, same situation on Saturday. What do you tweak, if anything? Well, I think uh, just a few things in our PK I've noticed on the video that we just need to uh, a few small adjustments. And, again, just our power play, uh, making sure, uh, you know, we, we execute in those situations. I mean, the power plays are just so critical. And, again, we did score two power play goals, but we had some opportunities there to really – really opened the game up and we didn't and uh, you know that's the difference between uh, you know teams that find success is that those critical power plays have that opportunity you know when it's 2-1 to make it 3-1 and open the thing up and you know instead you don't convert and now it's 2-2 so uh, you know we really got to make sure that power play and that PK is uh, clicking. You've mentioned responsibility more than any other word other than uh, just trying to, to play well professionalism another word you use but but being patient in the neutral zone is important as well I talk about with you all the time in the pregame show about how you want to control all three zones of the ice you want to get out 10 second rule is what you talk about in the defensive zone in Toledo that could not be more important yeah I mean uh, solid defensively there I think that's our mindset winning the middle of the ice uh, taking care of the you know the house and, and working from the inside out and I think that's all over the ice but also bringing speed to that neutral zone I think we've got the players we've got the personnel to bring that speed and to put the put their defense on their heels and I think for the rest of the way from the offensive zone we've got enough hockey sense on our team 
enough compete level that I think we're going to score a lot of goals. Best of luck over the weekend. We'll talk to you Friday night in the pregame show. Thanks, Nick. That's Cyclones head coach Jared Scaldi. I'm Nick Brunker, voice of the Cyclones. We'll talk to you on Friday. Our pregame coverage of the game begins at 6.50 on CyclonesHockey.com and America One, and we'll see you right back here next Monday at 7 for another edition of the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. This is the Cyclones Radio Network.